Lance Gidry, defensive coordinator, Miami Hurricanes, our guest today on the Behind the You podcast. Lance, good morning. How are you? Good morning to you, man. I'm doing good. Awesome. So I'm going to age myself with this. Does the Louisiana Lightning, does that nickname mean something to you? Yes, sir. Probably the only reason why I was a Yankees fan. Ron grew up in Karen Crow, Louisiana, played at Northside High School. He's actually a really good track athlete. He ran the open quarter, ran like a 49 quarter. But we followed him. Of course, he's all the Gidrids are kin in Louisiana. We all kind of came from the same two people that migrated there. So Wait, are you, uh, are you guys related? Well, I mean, there was about two or three, about two sets of Gidrids that came in. Yeah, they came over on the ship way back in the day. <laughs> Anna, so we all can. Uh, my people are from around the Church Point Lafayette area, and his is from the Lafayette area. Uh, mine just kind of migrated further west into a little town called Welsh, which is in between Lafayette and Lake Charles, Louisiana. So, so but bottom so, bottom of the state, I ten. I got you. So the, so the I'm I'm born and raised here in South Florida. Before 19, I think it was 88, we didn't have a baseball team other than the Miami Hurricanes right. and the Yankees. They used to, this is me as a kid. So they used to be on a station, I think like w, WPEX or PEN or something, but that was like a New York station, but I would always try and find it because they used to train in Fort Lauderdale during the spring training. My grandparents would take me to two or three games every year, Mattingly, Winfield, Gidry. I mean, all yeah. those guys. And so I was always frustrated. I could never find the games. And then for some reason, Tuesday nights on one channel, they used to broadcast the Yankee games. So I was a Yankee fan. I love Ron Guidry. I love the Yankees. I had a plaque in my room. It was signed by Henderson, Winfield, and Mattingly. Mattingly was my favorite. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, we followed them because of that. Uh, we I really grew up an Astros fan because I was about two hours from Houston. So that uh, Nolan Ryan or Mike Scott or who? Yes, Nolan Ryan, man. They had Joe Morgan that came over. Of course, they had Jose Cruz in left field. So we go every year, we go to Houston on vacation and go watch the Astros game. And uh, so I was kind of Astros and Yankees, you know, when Ron was pitching. The Braves came on TV a lot. Oh, they were on TBS. That's why they were America's team, because they were on TBS and it was on every K. What was it? Ernie Johnson and Skip Carey yeah. and all those guys. Yeah, uh, I think Dale Murphy was like oh. everybody's. Yeah. yeah, Bob <laughs> Horner. I mean, we are we are dating ourselves now here, dude. We are dating ourselves <laughs> now here. I think if you were probably from South Louisiana, probably Lafayette toward Lake Charles area, you probably pulled for the Astros. But everybody you. else in the state, I think, was Braves because they was able to see them. And have you been back to Houston recently at all? Uh, my daughter lives in Midtown area, but I don't get back over oh. there because that, that area is so different. Now, my son played in a flag tournament in Houston a few years back. The downtown area with the park mm -hmm. and the bars and all that kind yeah. of stuff. It was great. Yeah, I hadn't been to a ball game there really. really well, I haven't been to a ball game. We were playing flag. We just we needed a place to to kill about four or five hours before we got so, on yeah. the plane. So we just needed a place that they served them up nice and cold. You know what I mean? I hear you. I hear you. And I hadn't been back that way and really visited like that. I go see my daughter and that's about it. Hey, uh, uh, if I'm prying, I apologize. And maybe this is old, but what does DWA for life mean? Well, when I in the early '90s, I played at McNeese and. You know, the NWA rap group was out oh, then. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we had a linebacker from Galveston, Texas, named Sean Judge, who is probably one of the best leaders I've ever been around. He came up with – we was looking – really, because Coach Kiesler came in 1990. They had let go – I was there as a freshman, and I redshirted, and they let that coach go. Then Coach Kiesler came in, 
And we put in the four two five defense at that time. And we needed kind of an identity. So we kind of almost created like a fraternity on defense. He came up with defense with an attitude. And it kind of stuck. And through the 90s, when we were really good at McNeese, it was because of defense. Like, we led the country my senior year in 93. Uh, 91, we won the conference. We won 91, 93, 95, 97. 97 played for the national championship. 95 was our best team ever. Uh, my roommate was a quarterback named Kerry Joseph. He coaches at the Seahawks right now. Uh, he's a quarterback coach, assistant quarterback coach at Seahawks. So he works with Gino. He came this summer. Gino works out in our place all the time. So Kerry was here. But anyway, long story short, it's a defensive thing, you know, and we kind of all the East players that played on defense. It's kind of like our big fraternity. No different than, you know, it, I remember Southern Miss, I think they were the Dirty Bunch, and it was the black shirts in Nebraska. It was kind of our identity, right. and there was a standard you had to play at. And when we came back to watch games, we always watched the defense and see if they were still dominant. So when I went back there as a coach, I had to reestablish it, of course, and uh, – We've had some really good defenses there, but everybody always asks me, is DWA going to be in Miami? I'm like, nope, it's a Magnese thing, man. You know, so that's what that's all about. Okay. Uh, how did you go from being a quarterback in high school to playing to flipping to the other side of the, the ball? Well, growing up, I was always a quarterback uh, linebacker. And then in junior high, I was a quarterback safety. My freshman year in high school, I was the JV quarterback. I didn't dress out for the varsity games. My sophomore year, I started as a safety. I was a punt returner. It's probably statistically my best year ever as a football player. I had like seven or eight interceptions that year and had three punt returns for touchdowns. Well, because I went to a small school, he's always going to put one of his better athletes at quarterback. So I became the quarterback as a junior, and he didn't let me play any defense. And I couldn't return punts, and I would always go up to Coach Wall and say, Coach Wall, you got to let me do this. And nope. My quarterbacks, that's all he does. So my senior year, I convinced him to let me return punts and on third down play safety. So my third game my senior year, uh, I'd returned a punt already for a touchdown. We were playing a school called Venton, Louisiana, uh, Venton High School. And we're probably up about 10 points, and it's third and long. It's like third and 15, right? So I go over to Coach Wall and I say, Coach, it's third and long. And he kind of looks at me. He's kind of hesitant, but they put me in. So I go in and they throw a pass. It's a deep pass. And I run and I make a diving catch to intercept the ball. But as I go to get up, the receiver trailed me and he tackled me. And the way I was getting up, my foot was underneath my body, but I wasn't all the way up. And he hit me at the top of my hip and my foot dislocated. And it tore all the ligaments on the inside oh. of my foot and I broke my fibula. So I was out my senior year. So... Coach Walls, <laughs> he was so, sick. I could only imagine. I could only imagine what that conversation was like. So he never played like. quarterback on you know, defense. So at that time, I was really getting recruited as a defensive back at McNeese, at UL Lafayette, at Northwestern, mainly the Southland Conference. But when I broke my ankle, I was kind of done. And then I said, "Okay, what am I going to do?" So I was going to go to Lafayette, but then I had a friend uh, on the my team that was going to McNeese as a basically a partial scholarship, a half scholarship guy. He was a rodeo guy that also played football, right? So he convinced me to go to McNeese, and I walked on as a DB, and I redshirted the first year, and then the next year I was a starter. I started for four straight years. 
And it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me because I probably went, went to UL and they weren't good at the time. And it was kind of like a perfect storm, you know? So, yeah, I always knew I could play, but I just needed an opportunity. And when I broke my ankle, like I was done. But uh, I ended up going to McNeese and they went from a 3-4 defense. And when Coach Keezer came in, they went into 4-2-5. Well, all these outside backers couldn't play strong safety. They couldn't match up, play man-to-man on number twos. They couldn't get on a hash. Therefore, they needed more defensive backs, and they hadn't had, they didn't have a lot there. They didn't have the numbers. So I kind of fell into the right spot. I uh, started as a freshman. They were Every year they was recruiting a lot of DBs, but once I got in front of you, that was kind of it. I was a smart player. I was a really big hitter, and I was more athletic than people thought. You know, starting point guard in basketball, ran on the relays. I triple jumped through the javelin. Uh, we didn't play baseball, only up to a certain age, but I was always a shortstop pitcher, a leadoff batter. So I was always in the key position. So, like, I didn't shy away from competition. And if you play defensive back, you got to have it in you. You know, you've got to have thick skin. you got to have a lot of confidence. you got to have a certain swag about you to play in that secondary period. So, but Where did I come never... from, Coach? Where did come... They told me you oozed it, but where does it come from? I think because I was the youngest of all the grandchildren, I was the youngest in the family. So I always had to play up to my competition. I remember when I was in T-ball, I was playing also fast pitch because my daddy started pitching to me when I was like two or three with a little rubber ball and a wooden bat. So I was hitting a ball overhand when I was like two or three. And then, so when I went to T-ball, it was too slow for me. So I played fast pitch and I was probably the best player in fast pitch in the next grade up. But I think it's because I had to compete at, at a higher level. So when I played, like, with my friends, and I'd go over there to their house. The only way they let me play is if I would bat left-handed, if I shot the basketball left-handed. <laughs> if we were boxing, I had to tie one hand behind my back. And my dad said, look, you're not getting better playing against them. So that's all I would do. i play against older kids. It's the way it was. <laughs> so I got in college, like, I'd been there before. I was used to people being better than me, older than me. So I just, I always... I think that's important that you play against people that are better than you because you got to find out how to play the game that way. You know, you got to, everything's important then a step using your hand, whatever it may be, whatever sport, and it teaches you to be competitive. And so you don't get better playing against kids you're better than or being the big, you know, I think that's why Michael Jordan's was Michael Jordan because he, there was a time he wasn't the best. Yeah, all the great athletes, I think, are that way. They've gone through something where they've had a letdown and had to battle their way back. So when they get in a big moment, it's never too big for them because they've been there before. Join us at Gulfstream Park this spring with live action Thursday through Sunday. Enjoy entertainment outdoors at the Carousel Club or feast in Ten Palms. Not hungry? Visit our many on-site shopping locations from fashion stores to home furnishings. For schedules, reservations, and tickets, visit GulfstreamPark.com. I like doing sort of the journey, the story, and philosophy, and I I was scrolling through your Twitter looking for something. I had to get through all, like, the commitments and, you know, all that stuff for UM and celebrate all that stuff, and I came across something I found interesting, and I wanted to talk to you about it, which was someone, I think, tweeted out something about Bobby Knight who said, it. I think, winnings in the preparation, something along those lines, and you actually replied, kind of respectfully disagree. It's sort of in what you do in the game, adjust, tweak, whatever. But I do think there is something to you, what you said as being a good coach that the really good ones, it's almost like computers, right? Like they process things 
faster, better. They see it differently and they can adjust more effectively. And that tilts everything in their favor. In today's football, you can prepare for somebody. When you get in the game, you're not going to see what you prepare for. They're going to have a game plan that they think is going to work against you. So where does that come from? So you got to go back and reevaluate yourself. What did people hurt you with? And you got to correct those mistakes. But you also got to know what to go to. A young coordinator who hasn't been experienced, he's coaching only off of the fresh knowledge that he knows and what's in a playbook. You can prepare all you want, but what happens when there's something different you haven't prepared for? You have to be able to lean back on something. So in-game adjustments are the most important thing as a college coach right now. You have to be able to do whatever you're doing and be able to tweak it on the sideline and get your players to adjust. If you can't do that, you are going to struggle. Once you stop what they're doing, whatever their game plan was, then they will go back to their tendencies. Our big goal, and I got it from the defense coordinator at Michigan when he was there, Don Brown puts in his goals was third quarter shutout. In order to get a third quarter shutout, you have to have stopped already what they were doing, what their game plan was, or at halftime, you have to fix that because they're going to come back to that. Once you go out there in the third quarter, you're going to have to stop, stop it if you hadn't. Once you do that, they'll go back to what they really do good. Therefore, the third quarter is the most important quarter. A lot of people say we got to come out the first series and play well. No. If you can shut them out, one or two things are going to happen. You were behind in the game and you just probably got back in it if the offense did anything. Or if you were ahead, you're going to lengthen out that lead. Uh, you got to play, of course, complimentary football. But that goal right there can only be done to me if you can make adjustments. So last year at Marshall, what is good is the year before third quarter. The year before we were, I want to say, nine out of 12 games, we had third quarter shutouts. Last year, I want to say we had seven. And I think that's why you got a chance to win games and why you'll play good defense the third quarter is really important. To me, it's like first down defense. If you can play well on first down and I get you to second and long, then it's okay. What kind of second and long is it? Is it after run? Is it after pass second and long? Because that mindset of a coordinator, he has a personality. You're like a like an FBI, like covert ops investigator. No, nah, not really. Like I got a feel. Like I, I'm, I'm good with people. Uh, I've got people skills. And when you're around people and you meet a lot of people and you talk to a lot of people and you like a lot of people, you figure people out. And so is that what you're doing when you're game planning during the week, as much as it's, Hey, we got to stop this. Are you also sort of trying to get it? Like what you just said? Yeah. Like the first thing I'll do is I watch film, just game film. And I'll just start jotting stuff down on the side that I think is a little bit different than what we've worked on or something that we're familiar with. And I've got that, but I'm watching. I'm really getting a feel for what they do. And then after I get it all broke down, we'll work all that. But then I go back after all that's done and I watch game film again and just get the flow after that and see if I got the flow of what he's doing and what's coming. And I've seen it before because every even I have a personality. Third and long, they'll say, okay, coach, you blitz, you do all this, blah, blah, blah. On third and long, let's just say that I pressure you the first third and long and you throw a screen a jailbreak screen and it comes out the gate, right? And it's gone. You get 30, 40 yards. The next time third alone, that offensive coordinator is going to think, well, he ain't pressuring again because we got him. Because the nature of people is if I blitzed, the next time I'm going to play really, really soft. 
because I got burned. So I have to remember as myself is I got to know what he, so it's a little bit of a chess match. It, the game is analytical, but it's still played by people as well. So yeah, that's kind of what that tweet was all about because you can prepare, but you better be able to adjust, you know? So maybe the preparation is correct if you've got experience of the preparation, but it's not what you work during the week. You've got to be able to adjust on the sideline. That's my opinion. How much of all of this factors into whatever, however you want to define your style of defense. Um, it's not hard to kind of miss the, the chaos you're trying to create, but how much of whatever's inside of your playbook system, et cetera, allows you to do those things? Usually the game's going to come down to corners. When you're good at corner, you can do a lot of things. They've got to play well. I'm not saying they have to be draft picks, but you have to be able to defend because if I'm doing my job as a coordinator, I'm getting enough hats to the football and I'm protecting the middle of the field with a post safety. You know, playing split coverage is good. We do a lot of it, but I know if I've got a guy in the post, you're probably not going to throw in the post. Post routes go for touchdowns. That's, I mean, when they complete it, they're usually touchdowns. To the outside, you still got a chance to get a guy down, but on the outside, you can have a guy covered and they throw back shoulder and all that. So that's usually, you know, if we play well out there on the perimeter and we make those balls, they may catch one on you, but they can't keep going back to the outside. I think you'll play well. So we try to do it several different ways with playing man free, pressuring. We do play some split covers, but split covers turns into man to man on the outside anyway. And you got to do what you do well. You got to figure out what your kids can do. You know, one year I felt like at the beginning of a game, I just got to be vanilla, vanilla to have my kids comfortable so that they can react, play to their rules to we figure out what they're trying to do offensively. Then other years, our kids want to blitz. <laughs> they blitz on the first snap and they were like, coach, activate us. And when I blitzed them early, it didn't matter what they were doing. We pressured and we caused havoc, but you don't know that until you get around you guys and have a feel for what they do. Some years I pressured more. I really don't pressure as much as people think. We do a lot movement up front and we kind of confuse the linemen, but we really, I don't think I blitz nearly like I used to way back. And it probably percentage wise, we looked at it, you know, on regular downs, I'm probably 20%, 25, maybe Uh, it's not a lot. It's not high, but we just do a lot of different things that create problems and cause havoc, whether it's the D lineman or whatever. So change the trajectory of your career or find your new passion. Both are possible at the University of Miami's Division of Continuing and International Education. The division offers over 50 courses with online and hybrid options for on-the-go professionals and busy parents. Visit miami.edu slash DCIE to learn more or call our enrollment advisors at 305-284-4000 to discover which course is right for you. What drew you to playing the way you play? Like as you're coming up as a coach, like this is how I want to do it. I think I learned from some good guys. I learned early on from the coaches that coached me at McNeese to coach your players every play, whether it's good or bad. I think it starts really, it's not as the XOs as much as it is personality and the kids taking on the personality of you. I think that you have to coach them hard. I think you have to coach them with passion, but your voice should never be louder during correction than praise. Your voice has to be louder with praise, especially today. Way back when we played, we would take 
correction a lot better because when the coach told you to do something, you did it, you didn't even ask why. Because that's the way people were raised, I think. But now you got to have the reason why. So, and they're so socially driven, social media, everything. So, like, they're a little bit more sensitive than we were. And rightfully so. I would be too if I was growing up today. So, you have to give them praise in front of everybody, you know? And then you have to know your player with correction. How hard can I really go in on him in front of everybody? So, that's just knowing your players. So, I've always taken on that personality and then I learned from some good guys, X's and O's. My first coordinator I worked for in college was a guy by the name of Scott Stoker. Scott was an offensive – he was a quarterback in college, and then he became a defense coordinator, so he taught me offensive football and wh- how they protect and why they protect this way and what they're going to do when you show them this, you know, whether you double A-gap mode, just all that. I learned so much football from him. And then I got a chance to work with a guy named Bull Reese, Carl Reese. Carl had been at – LSU, he'd been at Missouri, he played way back, coached at Texas with Mac Brown, and I coached with him at Miami of Ohio. And he made things simple. And because when you're young, you learn a lot. And then when you get to do it yourself, you think more is better. And sometimes you're doing things, you don't even know the why you're doing them, but they look cool and you have success with it. But then all of a sudden, it doesn't match everything. Bull made me cut back with a lot of things keeping things simple, letting kids play fast. And as football's kind of going, you have to be able to line up first. So they're giving you all this empty stuff, all these formations in the boundary going fast. If your kids can't get the call from the sideline and line up, you don't have a chance. So coordinators that call want to wait to see the formation and then make their calls, they're having a hard time right now. I'm not saying no names, but I've saw them in big bowl games at times. We say they got him because he's getting the call in late. So all week you work on these formations, these sets, these are the plays they're going to run. We're going to run this. When the game, you make the call at the last second, and they don't even have a chance to look at the formation because their eyes to the sideline. I'm going to try and give them the signal as fast as we can so they can get their eyes on the formation, line up, and play and recognize plays and play fast. And that's kind of my philosophy. It's just over time and it's experience. You can't be hard-headed. You, so you have to have old school principles, but you have to have new and creative, innovative thoughts. You can't say, well, this is the way we did it and that's all. No, it's not your defense. It's our defense. What can we do good? It's Miami's defense. It's not Lance Gidry's defense. I got to figure out who does what, how we can do it. And I mean, I like to do what I do all the time but sometimes there's some things i can't do have you seen or at least i'm sure you probably heard the, the netflix series quarterback i haven't watched it but a lot of people been ranting and raving over yeah it. no so we watched a little bit of it but right at the beginning peyton manning does the voiceover and he's just talking about quarterbacks the hardest position in sports now that might be it's probably one of them my son was like well defensive back's pretty hard because like you don't know what the hell's going on or i would say well probably being a hitter is pretty hard or a goalie but regardless of that it's in the upper echelon of things that are difficult I wonder how much of that or what you're trying to do is create that confusion, lack of clarity, right? Messing with, you know, the decision-making to kind of screw up the offense. Yeah, and I think that's my upbringing, being with Coach Stoker. He was a quarterback, and he says, you got to make the quarterback beat you. Not every quarterback is going to be an NFL quarterback, so you have to make him beat you. So the more you can confuse him, I think the more you can affect the center and the guards you're going to probably play good defense because usually your better athletes on the offensive line are your tackles 
and your center is usually really smart and your guards are kind of some thumpers, but they're not as athletic as a tackle. So when you mix up the center and really mess with those two guards, you create problems up front and then disguising in the secondary messes with the quarterback and Stillman and things like that. So those are the three guys you really want to mess with mentally. Usually the middle of your defense, the backers and the safeties are your smartest players. That's where the smartest ones need to be because the corners and the ends don't think as much. That's where you need to be the most athletic. I think offensively it's the same thing. If you can mess with the brain trust, which is the center, the two guards, and that quarterback, you're going to affect them. There, there's old saying, the closer to the football, the more educated you got to be with football, the further out, the more physically gifted you have to be. I was neither. <laughs> You also mentioned in my sources who I told you before have told me about you and it's pretty clear, you know, connecting with kids, personality, just how you relate to them, you and everyone, right? Just in this day and age, I would also imagine in your defense, there's a certain joy, right? Like, obviously, they got to be sound in what they do, but it it seems like it would be fun Mm -hmm. to play in your defense. And I'm I'm sure that helps to have the kids really have that buy-in. Yeah, I think we have a defense you would like to play in because you might get the blitz. You can, if you're up front, you may drop in coverage. So there's a lot of things we do that is good, but a lot of people are doing that. But I think it goes back to when you're a little kid, right? So everybody says there's a big thing. What's your why? What's your why? And people will say, well, it's my mom. You know, I'm going to build my mom a house one day. You know, all those. To me, that's motivation. That ain't your why. You you play the game because you love it. And it was fun. That's your why. I mean, I just, I'm told, I just told that to my kid the other day. He plays football. And uh, I sort of changed this in the last, like, probably four weeks. Instead of, like, getting on him and being that dad, right? I just told him last night. I'm like, hey, we were, we were talking uh, in the car ride home from practice. And I, I was telling him he needed a little – play with a little more intensity and passion. And I just stopped myself. And you know what? I said, buds, it's football. It's sport. You should be out there smiling, enjoying it having yep. fun. I don't care if you make a mistake or not. Just you're out there to you. You chose this for a reason, right? You liked it. You loved yeah. it. Just go yeah. have fun, dude. And who cares? Who That's cares? Right. Just go have fun. And who cares? And I've, I've changed my tune a little bit with him of just like, like if you're not enjoying like I, I someone else, I saw it on Twitter, actually a player said, somebody said, and if they're not, it was a, it was a father about their kid. They're not having fun. Why are they doing it? And I was like, That's man, right. that is, that's uh simple and deep. Yeah. I remember as a little kid, I never wanted to stop playing. When the sun would start to go down, my we'd dad have to worry. We'd have to worry about getting home back then. <laughs> they had a hard time getting me to stop playing because I wanted to play. I didn't want to go in the house. One so more. Take, Come on, one more. One more. They would take the ball and throw it over my head as far as they could, and I'd run to go get the ball. My turnaround, my daddy and brother was in the house, and I would be so mad. I'd start crying because I never wanted to stop playing. And I think that's the way, you know, football should be, like, it's a fun game. Sports are fun, right? So we got to make it fun. It is a business. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, your kids are like coming in the building. They are like going to practice. Now, some players like practice different than others. Usually the, the smaller you are, the more you like to practice. The bigger you are, I mean, it gets tough for you out there to practice. But don't take that, don't take that love and that fun away. And that's why I try to create everywhere I've been is just trying to keep it fun. And, uh, at the same time, holding people accountable. 
When you think of great football and baseball, you think about the you. When you get hurt in a car, truck, or motorcycle wreck, you need to think Lebovic Law Group. At Lebovic Law Group, you come first. We work to get you all the money you are entitled to. Injured? You need to call or click Lebovic. Lebovic Law Group, the exclusive sponsor of the Miami Hurricanes and proud sponsor of all things you. Go you! I was uh, getting ready for this, and when you were the head coach at McNeese, you had like seven tenants or keys, whatever, and the first one was enthusiasm. And I found that uh, interesting because, again, let's enjoy this. Yeah, and you, you need to play with – and everybody's different. I mean, not everybody's going to have the same enthusiasm. Whoever you are, you need to be who you are. But in, you got to be enthused, you know, because this game is a passionate game. And I don't know. It's meant to be played. Uh, very fast, very physical. And, you know, that's where I fell in love with Miami way back when I watched them. You could tell they were having fun. Oh, yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> they had a lot of fun. They wasn't, they wasn't robots, and that's what I liked. And I always was a free thinker. And I remember in basketball, my high school head coach, he was a walk-it-down-the-floor guy. And no point guard ever did anything but walk it down the floor. So we started running a little bit more fast break, and it bothered them at first. But it was kind of like we were doing this a little bit, but we were small and we got became successful doing it. And I changed him a little bit, you know, so I always was more of a free thinker and became fun for the guys. So anyway, how was your defense? Um, you mentioned before about, you know, getting lined up, right? Because the way the games evolved, right? The spread, tempo, all that stuff. How have you had to tinker a little bit? Probably by setting certain positions field and boundary so that you can hurry and get lined up. We flipped defensive linemen before a strong side and an open inside. And when you have different skill sets for guys, a lot of times you want your bigger defensive end on the tight end and or the tight end side, and you want your true pass rusher on the open end. But because they go so fast, flip, and you just want to line up. So now we play more of a field end and a, and a boundary end. We call them a jack. We play with a right and left tackle. The Mike backer and the Will backer will flip according to strength or coverage. And then the secondary, for the most part, we'd like to have a field corner and a boundary. But because they go so fast, we can't flip them, so we play a right and a left. The star always go to the field. We have a field safety and a boundary safety, which that's easy because it's off a hash. They don't have a score to run. It's the corners. So just kind of the positioning of the players, I would say, you can line up quicker. So that's probably the biggest adjustment. Is I think uh, RPO, if you're an offensive guy, you would enjoy it, but it's it's basically cheating, right? Yeah, when they allow the line, <laughs> field, you know. Uh, but you know what? It's kind of it's not as much as it was like two, three years ago. Like it was really you're starting to they're starting to get out because I think things are getting a little bit more gray area for the quarterbacks. You know, it's kind of like being an option quarterback where they gave. You know, they call it Well, he got to read it. He got to read that the end squeezing or if he's not. Right. People started catching on the option offenses and switching responsibilities. And people said, the hell with that. We're not doing that. You know, it's too many negative plays, whatever you get behind. You can't catch up. I think RPOs, it's some gray area now. So you don't see as many people running as much RPO as it was. So, um, but it's still, you're in conflict because I remember as a safety, we used to read the uncovered lineman for run pass. You can't do that no more because he lies to you. You know, high hats meant pass, low hats meant run. They run in downfield and they throw the ball. So you right, that's what I was like. Come on, that's not fair. <laughs> How's that fair? 
offensive guys, man. It's like know, a basketball. Shannon, Shannon wouldn't like that, but uh, and a lot of other guys. But now Dennis Smith, who who we will reveal my uh, deep throat source. You faced Shannon back in the day. Uh, not Dawson. You, I thought he said you were at you were at McNeese and he was at Stephen F. Austin. He was, but he was there. He was there when I was at Miami of Ohio. Oh. Uh, I should, I, I, you know I, what? That's why they have that's why they have factcheck.org, right? <laughs> yeah. I went before I went back to McNeese, Shannon had actually left SFA and went to he might have been at West Virginia. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah. I ended up going Stephen F after him. I was only at Stephen F for like the spring, right? And then I ended up going to McNeese's defense coordinator because the defense coordinator at McNeese that spring went to Sam Houston. So I went back to McNeese, but we never went against each okay. other. Okay. All right. Did Maybe he was at Southeastern when I was at McNeese and he was with Hal Mummy. We may have crossed paths then, but Hal Mummy was calling it. So I, I can't remember. I got you. But I don't All think right. we've ever gone up against each other. Okay. Now I went up against Mario and then when Mario and then was at FIU and I was at WKU. Yeah. And yeah. what did you think of Mario back then? Mario was going to have tough teams. He's very animated on the sideline. So are you, uh, apparently. Yeah. So a Cuban and a Cajun, I remember. <laughs> I, I told I Dennis, you got like international. It's like uh, we need to take everyone up to New York. This is like a uh, Hall of Nations, man, this this staff. On our defensive staff, we've got American Samoan, right? Yep. I'm Cajun. We got a Houston Texan, uh, Matt Good, which he's an off-the-field guy. We got a couple – Guys that got Haitian descent, all right. We got a Floridian with Coach Stroud. Jason Taylor's mixed, right? Yep. Uh, D. Nick is from Carolina. He says he got a little Cherokee blood in him. I'm like, nah, you just African American. But we got like <laughs> a lot of stuff on defense, and then of course on offense and the head coach, he got some Cuban, and then they got another Cajun boy. There's just it's a lot the, of this the, per this the perfect place. It's a perfect yeah, place coach, for all you guys. Coach, coach Adizi, he's, uh his people were from Ghana. His, I think his mom and dad came from Ghana. So we got a lot of different so nationalities. Everything with Mario is, you know, the Cuban coffee, whatever. But you, what, what is what is a Cajun? What is a what does a Southern person do for caffeine? I do. I do like Cuban coffee. Uh, we probably drink more community coffee. It's called. It's that's just a little pot. Bit just yeah. the Folgers in the pot. Yeah, but I'm not like a huge snob with coffee i'll go to starbucks i'll go anywhere ours is food like i can't get anything seasoned down here like I imagine you're struggling so we cook a lot at the house we cook gumbos and we it's just me and my wife here so we cook a big old pot of gumbo and then we'll put it like in eight containers <laughs> you know freezer so we always got a a cajun meal prepared but yeah we can the good thing is we can cook me and my wife both, so we don't struggle with the taste we want. A lot of marinade, right? A lot of marinade and seasoning. Yeah, a lot of seasoning. A lot of seasoning you can't get uh, out here. Well, they, certain... they got they got Amazon for that. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Make this the day your life changes. The all-new UFIT Gyms has been created to give you exactly what you need to accelerate your fitness results, including state-of-the-art equipment and a new cross-functional turf training area. Enjoy personal training as low as $35 and new small group training classes, including HIT Plus. Take it to the next level with personalized nutrition from Eat Love, along with anywhere, anytime access to UFIT on demand with over 1,000 workouts. Reach your goals faster at the new UFIT Gyms. 
let's let's put some chum in the water for the fans. Um, let's talk about some of the kids on the team. Some of the, some of the new face. Well, they're all new to you. So let's say not on the team from a year ago. New faces, recruits, or transfers that you just been, are excited about. You know, we end up getting like three defensive backs in here. The Davis kid, of course. He, you know, he played at Oklahoma. He's come in here and he's played multiple positions this summer. He can play corner. He can play nickel. So that's been really good. Uh, there's a kid, last name Richard. I told him, you're not from Louisiana, bro. It's Richard, Louisiana, but he's from, <laughs> North, he's from North Louisiana. He said, Coach, I don't pronounce my name like that. I said, I know, because you're from the 318, not the 337 or the 504. He's, he's from up north. So he's a kid. And I think Brown, both Brown brothers, of course. The yeah, hey, let me see. I've seen the younger one when I laid him. He was at uh, he was actually the kids come out to our, our park and I laid my eyes on him. And I said, well, that's what that's what it should look like right there. He is good looking. I think he could play corner. He can play any position in secondary. He's played a little nickel, a star this summer. He's played corner. He hasn't played safety. But in the future, I could see him possibly being a safety. You know, if, it just depends on your roster. So those two guys at linebacker, we got the kid came in from uh, from Louisville. I call him KJ's Cloud. C O L. I know. I want, hey, one thing I learned about covering high school football down here: nobody knows anybody's name; they just know what they call them. <laughs> That's right. Like you're trying to get information for college coaches. Like, hey, who's that? Oh, we call him a Bunny. I'm like, okay, but like, what's his name? Oh, and they be like, hey, Coach, 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 Coach. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what Bunny? Bunny? What, what's Bunny's name? What's Bunny's name? <laughs> Yeah. And then when you come like I did, you came here in the spring and they're calling by nicknames. You never learn what their full dang name is. Right. So like linebacker, which I don't think I can pronounce his name anyway, but I call him Kiko because they call him Kiko. That's his nickname. Right. So Francisco Maui Noah. Yeah. Him right there. But they call him Kiko. So I've been He's calling Kiko. Him Kiko. He's going to be a really good player. You know, and then shoot all the D linemen are new to me because none of them were out there in the spring. You know, LT, which I saw LT coming out of high school because I was at FAU. I want to say when LT, Cam, and maybe James Williams was coming out of high school, I was at FAU at that time, I think. So I saw all those guys' video uh, coming out of high school. Mesador played a little bit this spring. So I'm anxious to see all those guys. You know, I think we've got some depth at D line. Uh, that we can play a bunch of numbers. The bang kid's going to be really special. So I think we're two deep, sometimes three at some positions. Backer, you got a lot of youth. So getting the kid from Louisville was like really huge for us. But then you have some people that have played some snaps, you know, at linebacker. So flag, of course, K4. So I feel good, Wesley, but saying, you know, so I think we've got some numbers there now. Uh, it's just some – we don't have a lot of game-game experience, but they do have some. In the secondary, we added some people we needed to, some pieces to the puzzle. You're still good at – you lived in at safety probably. you got to hope that James and Cam stay healthy. But I think we have other kids uh, that are younger that can step in there, and you might even move a corner into safety if you need to. So James will play a little bit outside backer this year, which he hadn't. So he'll play a little bit of Sam Backer, which would be good. Get to blitz him off the edge and do different things with him to show him hit. Skills. Let him hit. You know, and I, I told him, I said, look, I can keep you back there on that hash. I said, but you're not – for you to create, like, real value for yourself, you need – because, like, at corner, we teach corners to play nickel. So we have depth. 
and we teach safeties if they can play nickel to play nickel. If not, if you can't play nickel, then you got to be able to play the other safety. Well, James is a kid that's a boundary safety, which is really more like a strong safety. He needs to also play an outside backer because now it adds more value to you. So now the NFL scouts look at him and say, hey, look, this is a big safety to play Sam, or he's a really athletic Sam that can that play safety. So he'll make a lot of plays playing that position and what we're doing. So we feel like we helped ourselves out with depth, but also teaching kids multiple positions creates to where you can have the best four or five on the field at any time. All right. Last thing, coach, I did this with um, Matt Lee and Restrepo. They've been on the podcast. I went through their room and just said, Hey, when I mentioned a name, first couple of things that come to mind could be about them as a coach purse, whatever it is. I always want to do it with the guys in your room staff. Okay. Joe Salavea. Great human being. JT. First thing. <laughs> is humble. He's a humble star because he's a star as a player. He was a star. He's going to be a star in his profession, but he's humble. Like when you really get to know him, he's a really good person. So a humble star. Okay. Coach Adai? Intelligent. Going to be a coordinator. And your your boy that's not Cherokee, Coach Nicholson. <laughs> Passionate. He coaches with a lot of fire, and he talks really loud like a Baptist preacher. All right, Coach, I appreciate you doing this. I'm glad we got finally got to meet. Um, I look forward to talking to you. I'll see you out of Green Tree, and we'll, we're about to get this thing going. So I'll be by. We'll be by your side for about the next four or five months. All right, my brother. See you, buddy. Have a good day.